Welcome to ICU, a podcast where we advocate that compassion and connection save lives. They also make life pretty cool. I'm your host, Julie Lee. I see you. Let's be friends. Hey, hey, welcome to I See You, episode 19, Single, Pregnant, and Worthy of Love. Oh, it's so good to be recording. This is my favorite. Man, it's been a rough couple weeks over here. I'm not gonna lie. We had some roots that grew in our sewer line because we live in kind of an old house. That was a little stressful having our sewer back up. It's a lot of money and just a lot of time demands we've had. It's been kind of stressful the last couple weeks, but it's kind of been awesome because it's really given me the opportunity to simplify and to focus on what's most important in my life. And that feels really good and really freeing to do that. The review I'm gonna share today is from Camille. It says, Julie, I have been binge listening to your podcast ever since I discovered it. I feel so much more in touch with life and what is important. I feel more okay that things are difficult because that truly is what life is about. I'm still on the journey to 100% self-acceptance and self-compassion, but I have made more progress in the last few weeks than I have in years. Life has become so much brighter. I'm seeing more how trials can be a gift. Thank you. Love you. You are an angel. That's a really mature way to say it, that trials can be a gift. It's not always easy to see that or say that. I still have trials in my life that I have a hard time saying I'm grateful for, but I am grateful for who it's made me become. So thank you for your kind words, Camille. And I hope you continue to binge listen or maybe not binge listen, just listen every week. Then you don't have to binge listen, right? So I have so many exciting things happening on my website. Please get on my email list. It's at the bottom of the screen. If you just scroll down, you can subscribe to my email list. I don't email often, but just to give a little piece of what's going on on the website is I'm trying to find some really creative ways to support the podcast, to support the cost of the website, the equipment, and obviously the hours I put into it each week. But I want to keep it really genuine and I don't want to be having a lot of ads on here that don't really have anything to do with the purpose of this podcast, which is advocating for compassion and connection. On my website, www.icupodcast.com, there's actually a page specifically that says shop, and I'm doing some things on there that are hopefully beneficial to you and will also help support the podcast. So that's kind of where my creativity comes in. One of those things is I just offer 25% off all Mary Kay, everything on the Mary Kay website forever and ever. It will be 25% off to all of my listeners. Hopefully that's helpful to you. And there's going to be some other things to come as well that I think you're really going to like that will help support me and hopefully be things that you'll be excited about too. Thank you so much for your support all this time. We're almost to episode 20 and it's just an exciting journey and I love it so much and I want it to go on forever. I'm pumped. Today is an interview with someone who's so special in my life. Her name is Tashi. And if you listen to episode one, my story, there's a couple different accounts of a girl who really saw me during a difficult time I was having. If you remember, she was the friend who came over and just helped me clean my house when things were so awful with my PTSD. She also was the friend that saw me struggling and ran to me and hugged me and held me and just had so much compassion on me. I am so grateful for the powerful, positive influence she is in my life and so grateful for her friendship and for the ways we get to laugh together all the time. There's a reason that this girl just exudes compassion and you're about to find out why. 
Without further ado, I give you Mrs. Tashi Burnett. All right. I am here with Tashi Burnett. Hi, Tashi. Hey. How are you? <laughs> Doing good. Good. It feels weird to be this formal because I know it does. We spend a lot of time together. And no kids. And no kids. That's, <laughs> that's rare. Yeah, it is rare. <laughs> Tashi, before we start and talk about just your incredible journey, tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm married and I have an amazing husband. Adore him. I have four kids. One of them is an angel baby, so I don't get to raise him here on this earth, but I still always include him. So I have a six-year-old girl, a two-year-old boy, and a three-month-old baby. So that's fun and busy. So I feel like that's all of my life right now. But <laughs> growing up, I grew up in Alaska. I'm the youngest of five kids. I lived there until I was 16. I always loved to do dance and cheer. I love music, and that's always just been kind of my thing. I still love to dance, dance with my kids. Mm -hmm. We have dance parties probably almost every day. I know your story, but will you take listeners back to the years of 2011 and 2012? Yeah. Easter of 2011, I had just ended a year and a half long relationship. I was devastated. I think at this point I was 20. I thought that this was the man I was going to marry and everything, but I just kept feeling prompted that it wasn't right. And so it was kind of a messy breakup, but I broke up. So anyways, I was kind of lost and just trying to find myself because I felt like myself was the relationship. And so when it ended, I just didn't know what to do with myself. I was a working cosmetologist. I had just graduated cosmetology school earlier that year. I am a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And so at this point, I decided I wanted to serve an LDS mission. That's where people serve for two years. They're called to somewhere else and they teach about our church. Anyway, so I decided I wanted to do that. So I was just trying to get into reading my scriptures and praying and just trying to get really close to my Heavenly Father so I could feel prepared. Trying yeah. to go to the temple really often. So I moved into some college housing. I met some really great friends there and was just having a really great time. So I was still trying to do those things to prepare for a mission, but I started just having a lot of fun, doing whatever, and... Being spontaneous, I'm sure, no oh, you. Being totally spontaneous, being crazy. Yes. just dating men, just, you know, mm -hmm. being crazy. After a little while, I just started falling into temptations and just doing things that I didn't want to do, or maybe just started staying out late with, you know, the guy I liked, and not sticking with the things I wanted to do, like reading my scriptures, praying daily. I just kind of started slipping away from doing the things that were really important. Long story short, over a couple of months of some things happening, I ended up pregnant and I was single. And another long story short, the father, he didn't want to be involved. And so here I was pretty much just on my own. It might be good to mention that as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, if you're not a member or you're not familiar with that, something that is really important to us and that we're, we're grown up believing a lot is that we obey what we call the law of chastity, right? Which is that you keep sexual relations within marriage. And so as someone that's single and then you end up pregnant, what was that like? Well, I just, you know, like you said, growing up in this church, I just always thought that I would find a man and get married in the temple and then start a family together. Right. In that order. And so, yeah, in that order. And so then all of a sudden, here I am, I'm pregnant. I don't even have a boyfriend now. Yeah. I'm just by myself. And I just felt so lost and broken and shameful and just all the feelings. I just didn't know what to do. I felt lost. I took the pregnancy tests and then I went to a doctor first. I wanted to make sure... It was solid before I made a big deal and told everybody and right. all that. So I did that and it was official. I was pregnant. 
I called my mom and I know that she's the most loving and caring person ever, but I still was heartbroken to tell her because I knew it was going to be a shock because, you know, my family, from their perspective, I was doing all the right things and going to my church, which I was going to church every Sunday and I was trying to be a good girl, but I'm human and I made mistakes. So I called her and I just remember I was just sobbing and she's like, what is wrong? And and I just said, mom, you love me no matter what, right? And she's just going, well, yeah, of course, honey. Why? What is going on? And so I told her, mom, I'm pregnant. And I was just sobbing and she's just says, what? And she didn't say anything that made me feel bad. She just started crying with me Mm -hmm. and was just like, honey, I love you. And it's going to be okay. I remember just feeling like this weight off my shoulders. I was so glad I told her because I've always been really, really close with my mom. To have her react that way and just be so loving just reminded me that I'm still a good person yeah, and that I'm still loved. And I felt like through my mom's love, it reminded me of how the Savior felt about me too and that he was just opening his arms and loving me. He wasn't pushing me away and saying, you're such a bad person. He wasn't. It reminded me what this gospel that we believe in is for, so that when we do make those mistakes, we have someone to turn to, and he's there to help us get through it all. Well, I just think that's been so incredible that her reaction was, I love you. Yeah. I just think that's amazing. There's nothing to take it back or anything like that. It was done. And so at that point, you just need to be loved. Yeah, and there was one sibling who it was hard to take the information at first, but all in all, All of my siblings were mostly the same reaction. They just felt bad for me and they just wanted to be there. And that's what I loved about my family is it was like from that point on, it was like every day, at least a few of them called me just to see how I was doing. Well, and it's incredible to me because not all of your siblings are super active in the church and stuff, but they still knew that this was hard for you because they knew what you believed. So they had compassion on you. So it didn't matter whether they thought it would be a big deal for them or they just knew this is important to Tashi, and so Tashi's hurting. I'm glad you brought that up, because that's so true. That's, that's I think that's pretty remarkable in a family. Yeah. To be able to be that way for each other, religious or not. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like it was the support from my family that helped me to keep going mm-hmm. and to help me to not feel so shameful of myself and to forgive myself. Because like you said, everybody makes mistakes. All of us have put ourselves in situations we wish we hadn't. And some of us deal with repercussions that are obvious to other people, and some of us don't. And yours was obvious, right? Yep, it was very obvious. I actually had gone to my bishop the day before I found out I was pregnant because I wanted to, you know, if you're a member of the church, you understand what I'm saying, but just repent of the sin, I guess, you know? That wasn't what I wanted to do. And it wasn't the pregnancy that made me like, oh no, I did something wrong. It was before that that I thought, I want to correct this. This isn't what I want to be doing. This isn't what is going to get me to getting married in the temple and the things that I wanted. So I'd already started that process of repentance and everything. And then it was actually the next day that I found out I was pregnant. Oh my gosh. Anyway, so then I went back to my bishop and I told him what was going on. The thing that I loved was my bishop was just so compassionate to me and sweet and tender and again reminded me of the Savior's love. He didn't make me feel bad. And another thing he brought up to me because I was just embarrassed. I'm like, I'm in singles ward and I'm going to start having a belly and people are going to see me and people are going to judge me. Like, it's so embarrassing. And real quick, what's a singles ward? So a singles ward is just, it's the same thing. It's a congregation. It's a congregation, but instead of just any families families and all that, it's just single young adults. Anyways, he brought up the point that, you know what? And he said an exact 
like statistic or percentage, but I can't remember what that is, but like, let's say 40%. I remember it was pretty high. It's like 40% of young adults in our church have made this same sin as you, but they're just able to hide it. They don't have to tell anybody. Mm -hmm. Nobody has to know except for their bishop if they're coming in and repenting. And he said, yours is no different. It's just seen because obviously there's a baby that came with along with your situation. Right. And I just liked that. It made me feel like I wasn't so different than everybody else there. Everybody makes mistakes. Mine is just seen and I can't hide it. And yeah. you know what? What's the point of hiding it anyway? <laughs> yeah. Life is too short. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> did you keep going to the singles ward? Yeah, I did. And it was really hard. And especially the, as I started to show... It was like each Sunday came and I just would feel a little bit of anxiety and just worried about going. But because of the love, like I said, for my family and for my bishop and everyone else, I just had to remember, like, I'm not there for the other people. I'm there for me and for my Savior. And that's all that matters. And so that was what I had to keep reminding myself. And so I kept going every week. Good for you. So the first people that I told were my roommates, of course. I had my one roommate who was in my room, so we shared a room together. So, of course, we were a little bit closer at the time. And she was the one who I told, like, hey, I'm feeling weird. And she was the one who said, you need to get a pregnancy test. And I'm like, no, I don't want to. You know, for some reason, denial just so feels better. So you did start feeling weird? Yeah. I won't go into details of yeah. what was feeling weird. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, just normal pregnancy things that I'm like, whoa, something's different. And so she was the one who convinced me to get a pregnancy test. And after I, you know, peed on the stick and all that fun stuff, she was the one who went in the bathroom and looked and she just started bawling. And so I knew what the answer was. What a good friend. She was such a good friend. She was what I needed at the time. And also all the other roommates too. After that, we had a little roommate council and got together in a circle. And (laughs) um, I told them all and they all just cried with me. It was so sweet. I think it was just what I needed to just feel like arms wrapped around me. You can feel the arms of the savior, but I needed the physical arms and they just hugged me and they all said, I'm here for you. They just saw and you. They were they present did. with you. Yeah. You're human. Yeah. You're important. And you know, I'm sure it was kind of a shock. They knew the people and the guys and just everything that was going on at the time. And mm-hmm. so I think for some of them, it was like, whoa, they didn't know what was going on. Yeah. But at the same time, even if they felt that inside, they didn't show it. They yeah. just showed compassion for me. And I'm really grateful for that. Cause yeah. like I said, I just needed to be seen to feel loved. I liked to tell people before I started showing because I don't know I didn't let I'm just like people should know that way they don't just see me and make the judgment before knowing the circumstance I think I'd be the same way just get it out there exactly so going back I'm gonna go back a little bit and talk about a certain guy and this is not the guy that got me pregnant right (laughs) a few months before all this happened there was a guy in my ward he ended up asking me on a date and I just thought, oh, sure, you know, we'll yeah. go on a date. So we went on a date, and we went to a BYU game, mm-hmm. a football game. And it was fun. He was a nice guy. It wasn't one of those dates where it was awkward. It, I didn't think he was creepy or anything like that. I was just, like, not really interested. Yeah. He was just kind of shy and didn't talk much about it. This guy's kind of boring. Like, just not my type. Right. Little did I know at the time, when he really likes a girl, he gets extremely shy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Doesn't let his personality out. Yeah. And so he was just... He really liked you. I just... Yeah. He really, really liked me from the beginning. From just... Apparently, the first time he saw me, his jaw dropped, which is just <laughs> funny and weird to me. But... Because, you know, you don't feel that way about yourself. I don't feel jaw dropping, but... You are jaw dropping. He did. And, mm-hmm. and so he was already crazy about me. And that's why he was so shy. And so I just thought, 
he's kind of boring, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and I was interested in someone else at the time anyway, which is probably a huge part of it. So he asked me on a second date and I really didn't want to go, but I always felt bad saying no. Yeah. So I just went, which is probably even worse because then I was just really rude to him. <laughs> oh yeah. On the date you were? <laughs> yeah. I was really rude and I basically made it very clear that I was not interested. So I clearly put him in the friend zone. So, but he was in my ward, meaning the, the people that I knew with at church. And so I still always saw him. And I thought he was a nice guy. Like I said, he wasn't weird. So I still always said, hey, hey, Jordan, you know, I'd say hi. Or sometimes we'd sit next to each other in Sunday school. He was still a friend to me. Jordan and his group of friends, they were always really nice to me. And like I said, I was friends with Jordan. So I kind of started hanging out with their group of friends. And all of them, Jordan and all of his roommates were so just fun guys, easygoing. Now I'm going to fast forward back to where we were. So I'm pregnant, not showing yet, but I'm going to be showing really soon or I am and I can just kind of cover it. And Jordan's roommate actually wanted to ask me on a date. And so Jordan was telling me and, you know, I don't know why Jordan was like this middle person, I guess, just because we knew each other. Yeah, he knew he was in the <laughs> we friend zone. friends. Yeah. It's like, it doesn't matter <laughs> So now. his friend wanted to ask me on a date and he wanted to take me rock climbing. Well, I'm new to this whole pregnancy thing. And so I'm like, I don't think I can go rock climbing. <laughs> yeah. I'm picturing like the harness on me. Yeah. And I'm just like, ooh. And so I was like, I should probably let this information out. I was down at the gym that was in our apartment complex and I told Jordan to come down. I just said, I need to talk to you. I told him that I was pregnant and I was actually really nervous to tell Jordan because I didn't think that I liked him, but I think a part of me inside did like him and I cared what he thought. Jordan's just like this good boy. Good, yeah. good boy. Just a good little Mormon boy, mm -hmm. you know? And so I was like, oh, he's not going to want to be my friend anymore. Like, he doesn't want to hang out with people like me who do stupid things like that. So, but when I told him, his facial expression didn't change. He was just so kind. And in fact, was like, what, what can I do to help? And I was Aww. just like taken back like, whoa, this is a really sweet guy, you know? Long story short, he told his roommate and his roommate never ended up taking me on a date. So <laughs> he reacted how I thought Jordan would. <laughs> yeah. When I told Jordan that I was pregnant, I was like, you know what? Will you just, for me, let all of our friends and like everyone in the ward, will you just tell them that I'm pregnant? I'd rather they heard that and know what's going on before they just see my belly and make judgments. Mm -hmm. And so Jordan was kind of like my person who told everybody. For some reason, that was really helpful for me. So then it was like, as I saw people, they already knew. And then they could talk to me about it or not talk to me about it. And they just be normal. From that point on, Jordan just always like reached out to me. He helped me carry my groceries in. Jordan and all of his friends always included me. They made sure that if there was some sort of church activity or just Sundays, they all made sure that I was coming. And they all made sure that I didn't feel alone and they included me. And that was huge. That made it so much easier to keep coming to church every Sunday as I got bigger and bigger and was very obviously visibly pregnant. And even if I did see people that I didn't really know, maybe they weren't judging me, but from my point of view, obviously everyone, you feel like you're being judged by everybody. Right. I did feel like I was being judged by a lot of people, but knowing that I had my little circle of support in that ward, I was just like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. And that's what helped me feeling safe and coming every Sunday. That helped me feel seen, as you would say and talk about in this podcast. At this point, you're pregnant. You have this really great support system in your singles ward. What was your plan, like your long-term plan, though? Were you going to stay in the apartments? How is that going to work? The plan that we had come up with was my contract ended where we were living like a month before I was due. This was single housing. I couldn't stay there once I had a baby. 
I was going to stay there until August. I was due in September. And then I had a brother and his wife and children who lived in Highland. And they were going to let me live with them the last month that I was pregnant and have my baby. And my mom and dad were going to come when I had the baby. And then after a couple weeks, I was going to move back to Colorado and live with my parents. And I was going to raise my child with them. So I decided to keep the child. I prayed hard about it, pondered, and I just kept feeling really strong that she belonged to me. She was a girl. And I just, I knew this girl was mine. She was meant to be mine. And at first I just thought, you know, how am I going to do this? And so I did consider all the options. I considered adoption, not abortion, but I considered adoption and all of that stuff. And so I went to LDS Family Services and went through them and they helped me learn all of my options. Mm -hmm. And through everything, I still just kept feeling this strong feeling that I needed to keep her. And I even had a few outside sources that were telling me I was selfish for keeping her and Mm. different things like that. And that was really hard, but I had to just keep following that prompting that she was mine. And it seemed like I kept having different tender mercies from my savior or just different things that reminded me she's yours. And I love that you're having promptings during this time, because I think, I think a lie sometimes that we tell ourselves is when we've made a mistake that we're no longer worthy of feeling the spirit or feeling promptings, but that's not true. Making a mistake means you made a mistake and you turn to the Savior. But Heavenly Father always wants to talk to us. You're not, yeah. you're not ruined. You're not done. Yeah, and I was doing everything possible, like I said, after I went to the bishop the day before I found out I was pregnant. After that, I was trying to live my life. I was just listening to, like, church music or just <laughs> Christian music. Yeah. I literally just, like, went on this crazy, like, fast almost, not from food, but from, like, worldly things. I just wanted to be able to receive any re- revelation because all of a sudden I'm thinking... I'm responsible for a child, not just me, but a child. And I've always dreamed of raising my kids in the church. And so I'm like, I need to be that example. And I just felt like I needed to be in a place where I could constantly feel the spirit so that I could do the right things, make the right choices. Um, Yeah, so the plan was to live with my parents. And I really wanted to live in a home where there was the priesthood. We believe we can have a power from God to a worthy man. He can serve us using the priesthood. Exactly. And that was one of the things I was devastated is that my child wasn't going to be raised with not only not a father, but we wouldn't have the priesthood in our home. But I was going to live with my parents and my father holds the priesthood. And so like, it's going to be okay. I'm going to live with my parents and they're going to help me raise her and and everything's going to be okay. Yeah, it'll be okay. Yeah. So that was my plan. What actually happened, <laughs> which is uh, way better, which way, is way better. So Jordan, going back to this guy, you're probably wondering where he fits in here. So I had been spending a lot of time with him and obviously I liked him because my family all knew about him and I always talked to my parents about him and my parents were always like, why don't you like this guy? You know, why don't you like him more than a friend? And I'm just like, oh, you know, he's not my type. But as I got to know him while he was put in the friend zone, (laughs) that kind of, I guess, was a blessing because it led him to just being himself. Because he's like, okay, well, I never have a chance with this girl, so forget it. We're just friends. So he started really opening up. And turns out he's a really fun guy. (laughs) And he's all the things that I always wanted. He's funny. He's just fun. He's super into sports. Just total, like, dork. I love dorks. You know, Mm -hmm. we can just be stupid with each other. Mm -hmm. Teasing each other and, like, kind of being mean to each other was, like, I guess how we flirted without flirting. Because I, for some reason, could not admit that I liked him. So my parents are like, why don't you like this guy? After, like, seven months, my mom was like, honey, think about it. 
you are pregnant with someone else's child and this guy is right here in front of you, not leaving your side, helping you with everything. He obviously likes you. She's like, what is your problem? You need to give this guy a chance. After she said that, I started really thinking about it and I'm like, I think I do like this guy because every day when I drove home from work, I scanned the parking lot to see if his car was there. I cared where he was at all times. And so I started to be like, I need to just stop the crap and like admit that I like him. We were just texting one day about how we were both so sick of dating and all that stuff. He had learned that I had never been to a rodeo. And so he's like, do you want to go to a rodeo? It won't be a date or anything. We can just go as friends. And I was like, well, are you paying for me? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, well, then it's a date. And he's like, okay. He's kind of caught off guard by that. So we go and he bought new Wrangler pants to go mm-hmm. to the date, which was so cute. <laughs> I've decided I like him. So I'm leaning into him. Yeah. I am totally flirty and in my eyes, just dropping all the hints. That night we get home and his roommates are watching a movie. So we watch it with them. And I like put my hand out by the side of my leg so that he can grab my hand. And he totally doesn't the whole movie. And I'm like, I could not be more obvious. I mean, you kind of shafted him. Right? Yeah. In his eyes, he's like, I am not going for that. I am in the friend zone. Yeah, I tried. You know? yeah. So that night I texted him and I said, next time, just grab it. <laughs> and he says, what? What are you talking about? And I was like, just grab my hand. He was like, uh, I didn't know you wanted me to. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I put all the signs out there, had my hand out there. And I don't blame the poor guy. Yeah. He was in the friend zone. He was not about to be rejected again because I was so rude the first time. He grabbed my hand later. We kind of started dating and holding hands and all that. Obviously, I'm pregnant at this point. And so very quickly, before the relationship got any further, we need to have a talk. I'm like seven and a half months pregnant. I basically just told him, you know, this is a big deal. I'm going to have a baby. Are you serious about this? Do you want to date me? Do we want to take this to the next level? And we kind of just let it all out. I told him all of my past. He told me all of his past. We just really opened up. Okay, this is me. This is who I am. Do you want to date me? He just said, you know, give me the weekend to think about it and just really think about if I wanna do this. So I went to Boise and where my aunts threw me a baby shower and it was a great weekend. He pretty much called me and texted me the entire time instead of thinking about it. (laughs) So I'm thinking, oh, I take it he wants to date me. I get back into town. He's outside waiting for me like the sweet gentleman that he is and brings in all of my luggage because I was four flights up Mm -hmm. the stairs and I'm like big and pregnant. That night he ends up kissing me I said to him, so I take it you want to date me? And he smiled and said, yes. We're getting close to me having a baby. And we keep talking about marriage. And then we're like, whoa, like this is fast. We have no idea what it's going to be like when the baby gets here. Let's stop. But we were just falling in love so fast. The night came where my labor started. Jordan's at school that morning. I started contracting at like five in the morning. And by 11 or 12, I texted him and said, hey, I'm contracting. I think I might have this baby today. He just leaves class and comes straight over to my brother's house where I was living at the time. And he just sits on the couch next to me, holds my hand, lets me squeeze his hand through every contraction. It ended up being a pretty long labor really painful contractions. And on one side, I had him holding my hand. And on the other side, my sweet sister-in-law, Amy, was holding my hand. And I'm just squeezing their hands. I'm in so much pain. Mm -hmm. So Jordan is just seeing it all, you know, well, not seeing it all. (laughs) Nothing physical. Actually, to bring that part up, it was kind of funny because... We're obviously together, but nurses would come in and they want to check me. And I'm like, oh, wait, hold on. He needs to go behind a curtain. And they'd be really confused. And I'm just kind of like, he's not actually the father of this baby. And we haven't done that. So (laughs) he can't see this. And so I had to keep stepping behind the curtain. And it was just really funny. Well, I'm like, also, this isn't how I want him to see this. Yeah, this is not how I want him to see this. 
<laughs> he was there for it all, except for he never saw anything. Right. Just my screaming and the angry side of me, which not a lot of people get to see because I'm not a very angry person. It took a while before I finally got the epidural. Three in the morning, my beautiful baby girl was born. My mom made it just in time. Jordan went out of the room and it was time to start pushing. And so I had my mom there, thankfully. There was my beautiful baby girl. Her name is Brinley. Right after she was born and they put the blanket on her, my mom went and got Jordan. And she just kind of threw Brinley into his arms and he just took her and the look that he gave her, it was as if it was his own baby. He just loved that baby. And I remember just looking at him and I'm like, that's the father of this baby. Whether they have the same blood or not, that is my baby girl's dad. Jordan hopped on the hospital bed with me and we were just snuggling with Brinley. I just had this strong impression like, this is my family. This is it. And it was just the best feeling in the world after everything that I had been through to have him there by my side. The plan was to move away to my parents. And we're sitting there thinking, whoa, we don't want to be apart from each other. Like we want to be together every second possible that we can. We need to get married and get married as soon as possible. A week after she was born, he proposed to me, and two months later, we got married. <laughs> so it was pretty quick. And I was able to get married in the temple because, like I said, I had already started that process. To just kind of explain it, sometimes when it's a bigger sin like that, it takes about a year to be ready to be worthy in the temple. And I think I was about a month short of a year, but my stake president and my bishop agreed that I was more than ready for this. And so Jordan and I were able to be sealed in the temple, which was really, really cool. And just all my dreams were coming true. After we were married for a year, he was able to adopt Brindley. It was really, really easy because the father of the baby never tried to claim any rights. I did not put his name on the birth certificate. Just the easiest, awesomest process, he was able to adopt her. It was just a few weeks after he adopted her, Brindley was sealed to us. All of my dreams that I always wanted came true. What's incredible to me, how quickly Jordan just took to Brinley and was ready to just man up and be the dad. Your baby does not have the same color of skin as you guys. Right. It's very obvious. She is a quarter black and I'm a very white person. <laughs> you know, everywhere we go, we always get the question, did you guys adopt her? And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I did all the hard work to bring her here. <laughs> yeah, you're quick. So no, I did not adopt her. She is mine and she is also my husband's, but yes, he is not her blood. My husband has red hair very white skin and freckles. Yeah. <laughs> and she's it's got like, this gorgeous, dark skin, dark eyes, dark oh, hair. Brinley is so beautiful. She looks like you adopted her. Everyone always ends up finding out because they're like, how come she looks so different? You know? And I you love that you're so open about it. And you're just like, oh, yeah. different dad. But I think that's extra incredible. And I shouldn't be surprised because Jordan Burnett is Jordan Burnett. He just took this on so gracefully, knowing that you and him both, but him especially, would get questions for the rest of your life. That's never going to be something that you can just sweep under the rug of, oh, I don't want to talk about it. And it's amazing because then you get to share this beautiful story. This is your family story. It's my favorite story. It's a good one. Why do you think it was so important that all these different people, your mom, your family, Jordan, your bishop, they showed you so much compassion during all that? There's so many people that can relate. It's a feeling of, you know, you did something wrong and just feeling shameful. And you just really need people to show you by their example, how the savior feels about you. At least I did. Another one that I wanted to bring up where I really felt loved and seen was when Jordan was ready to take me to his family. I was really nervous because I'm like, who is going to want their son to be dating a girl who's pregnant with someone else's child, right? <laughs> Whether like, or not you're religious or not. Right. Yeah. 
it's going to make you nervous as yeah. a parent, right? It's just going to make you a little bit nervous. So I was really nervous. I came, um, I'm pretty sure it was his mom's birthday. So I brought a flower or something to give to her. And how pregnant are you? And I was eight months pregnant, probably. Okay. So you're big. <laughs> you're huge. Yeah. And they already knew lots about me. Jordan had told them about me in the beginning when we first went on dates. For him to still be liking me and bringing me up to them after all this time, he really likes this girl. Anyway, so when I walked into their home and met them, they were so sweet. They did not make anything feel awkward. They didn't make me feel like, you know, I wasn't the right girl for their son. They literally just took me in and we were laughing. They were getting to know me. And at first we didn't talk anything pregnancy wise. I think I had gone in and gone to the bathroom and then I came back out and they started asking me questions. It turns out they asked Jordan like, Hey, is she comfortable with us talking about like the pregnancy and stuff like that? <laughs> and he was like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She's totally it's like pretty obvious. Yeah. <laughs> they just were like so sweet. They didn't, yeah. they really cared about how I felt and that meant so much to me. And so when I came back out, you know, how are you feeling? Yeah. Like how far along do you have? And asked me all those questions. And they really, on the first day, made me feel like a part of their family. I'm like, okay, hey, this guy's already amazing. And then here's his family. Cause you know, you don't just marry the guy, you marry their family. But you do. For and sure. I was like, this is the family I want to be in. They were amazing. When I had Brinley, that day Jordan's parents came to see her. Oh, they were just oohing and on over her. Later I found out my father-in-law to Jordan was like, you should probably stay with this girl because your mom's really attached <laughs> to the baby. Yeah. Not me, the baby. No. Yeah. They right away felt like it was their grandbaby. I think they were worried that if we broke up. They were going to miss this baby because yeah. they just loved her right away. I mean, to the people I worked with, I was working at Sport Clips at the time. So I had my little group of girls there. They all saw me and they were all sweet to me, to my roommates, to my family, to my ward, all of my extended family that I've always known. I can't even express how grateful I am because I have a huge circle of people who just loved me mm -hmm. through all of it. And I just feel like that was everything. I feel like my personality had it been opposite and people turned their backs on me or told me I was a bad person. Sadly, I think where I was in my life, I would have believed them. My life could be totally different. A huge part of that, like I said, is the people that saw me and that loved me. How's your story helped you see other people? Going through that just reminded me that everybody goes through such different things and it's really like one of your episodes, not black and white. It is not black and white. I never thought that I would give in to sex before marriage. I always thought that I was going to be that strong girl who made it all the way or whatever, you know. I just never thought that was going to be me. And But you know what? It happened. I'm human and I make mistakes and temptation from Satan is real. So it really just made me see people and be way less judgmental. Even if what looks like somebody has made a mistake or did something wrong or they're in the wrong or whatever it is, you have no idea what they've been through and how that happened or any details at all. And it just really helped me to see people to love them no matter what they're going through. Do you have any advice for how we can see other people around us in any circumstance? My advice would be if you see somebody who your first instance is to think, oh, they look like this, or oh, she's pregnant, she's not married, oh, they're covered in tattoos. Whatever it is, when you see somebody and it looks like their life isn't how maybe you think it should be, reverse that right away and go over there and love them. See what they need and see what you can do to help them feel loved. If you could go back to yourself and you just find out that you're pregnant, what would you tell yourself? 
Oh my gosh. I would tell myself, you just hang in there because your life in the future is going to be amazing. You are going to have the best husband, the best children. Don't even be sad. Just look forward and just keep having faith in Jesus Christ. Keep doing what's right because your life is going to be amazing. I love my life every day. Not to say that it's easy because it's not. But not only do I have my Savior, but I have my husband, Jordan, who is mine and Brinley's absolute hero. It's an incredible story of compassion and connection. We don't have to worry about other people's decisions. We just need to love them. And I'm so grateful you have that in your life because the person that you are now is incredible. Thank you so much. I'm so honored to be on your podcast. (laughs) Stop it. Okay. Now you all love Tashi as much as I do. My name is Julie Lee. And my name is Tashi Burnett. And And we we see see you. you. (laughs) Ha <laughs> ha